Well, hey, I'm back. Um, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really excited that you are here with us this morning. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series called The Fight of Your Life, and we're going to be talking about fighting for your mind. We're going to be talking about fighting against sin. We're going to be talking about fighting against darkness, fighting against our mouths, the fight maybe even with our enemy. And we're even going to be talking about the fight for the next generation. And so this is going to be a really important series that we talk about. But before we jump into that, I have a question for you. Have you ever done something, said something, or thought something that you wish you could take back or redo or undo, right? That is the story of my life, all right? <clears throat> About a month ago, I woke up, and I was getting ready to leave, and I jumped into my Jeep, and I was heading to the gym, and I noticed that uh, I was low on gas. In fact, the needle on the gas tank was just slightly above E, and I had about 20 minutes to get there, so I decided, like, I know I can get to the gym. I have enough gas. I know I can get there. So I make my way to the gym. I work out. I do my thing. I get cleaned up. I get changed. And I'm heading out. And I didn't eat any breakfast that morning, and so I am starving. And so I decide, hey, I need to go to Dunkin' Donuts. So I make my way to Dunkin' Donuts, the one just down the street. It's actually attached to a gas station. And I wait in the longest line of drive through history. And I get my latte and I get my sandwich. And do I get gas? Nope. Because I know that I can make it to the gas station that's just a little bit closer to our campus. So I'm heading that way. And I pull onto the Conklin Road exit and I pass the Love's gas station. Do I stop at Love's gas station? Nope. I keep on going because I know that I can make it there. And I'm pulling around that turn. I'm going up the hill. And all of a sudden, my Jeep starts to go put, 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 put. And I am completely out of gas. I am embarrassed. In fact, I have to call Jeff. And I even have to call our intern. And there I am. I am out of gas. Thankfully, Jeff and Mason brought a container of gas and helped me fill up, and uh, I was miserable. I was, I was so embarrassed. I couldn't believe it, but because it drives Shana nuts that I drive around on E all the time. And for years, this is the first time I've ever run out of gas. This is the first time, believe it or not, because for years, I believing that I could ride around on E and I could make it, and it finally caught up with me, right? And so have you ever done something like that? You ever said something? You ever uh, thought something you wish you could undo or redo or take back? And so we all have those times where we're fighting against something because I believe that I could make it and I couldn't. And we have these battles that take place and they all start in the mind, and maybe you struggle with anger or pornography or worry. Or maybe you struggle with thoughts that you continually say to yourself over and over and over again. Or you struggle with believing things that people have said about you. I am worthless. I am ugly. I am nobody. And that battle happens to be starting in our mind so how do we fight that battle? 
What do we do? And does the Bible say anything about that? Well, the good news is you and I are not the first ones to struggle with that fight. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 7. Actually, before that, let me show you this. Stephen Covey says it this way. He says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. That your thoughts are so powerful And you and I are engaging in this battle every single day, and it starts with our thoughts. So how do we fight that battle? Go to Romans chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 7, we're going to start looking at verse 21. And in this passage, Paul talks about a battle that's happening inside of him, And here's what he says. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work Within me. And throughout this passage, Paul is talking about the compulsion to do something evil, to do something wrong, to do something he knows that he shouldn't do. And he says, It's right there inside of me. It's like this tug of war happening. I know I should do this. I know I should think about this. I know I should say this, but instead, I really, really want to do that. Have you ever been there? Done something, said something, thought about something that you wish you could undo or redo or take back? That's exactly what Paul is talking about. He says, I find this law at work, meaning I just, I've examined my life, I've discovered it. And it keeps showing up over and over and over again. He says this law, and the law he's talking about is this sin, right? We are spring-loaded to sin. Even though you and I, we've put our faith in Christ, and we've been set free, and we've been forgiven, that old nature, that old part of us continues to kind of pull us back, right? And pull us back in, and we're fighting against that. And Paul's saying that fight It all starts in your mind. And so as a Christian, we've been called and we've been brought out of this old nature. We've been set free from that old nature. You're a new person. You're a new creation. But that battle still exists. And in fact, he says, I delight in God's law, meaning I love God's word. Have you ever been there? You've been reading your Bible or you've been in church or you've just walked out of a small group and you're like, yes, that's it. You're so excited. You're pumped. You just, you just love what you heard about God. You're so encouraged. And then moments later, you're wrestling with sin or temptation or discouragement again. Paul says, I delight in God's law, but there is a war. There's a tug of war happening in his mind. So 
Here's what Paul's saying. There's the outer man and there's the inner man. Let me show you this picture here. The outer man, that's, that's the physical you. That's what we see on the outside. But then on the inside, there's the inner man, right? There's things going on inside of you, inside of me. And in the Bible, it talks about these things as the heart, right? And so all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, you see this word heart, and it's talking about our thoughts, our affections, and our choices. All three of those are all talking about the heart, they're all intertwined and wrapped up together. That's who you are. That's the CEO of you. That's the core of you. And so Paul is talking about the things going on inside of me. There's a battle happening, and it's going on with my thoughts, my affections, and my choices. And here's the deal. So many times, we just want to change our choices, don't we? We just want to white-knuckle our way through life, grab on tight, hold on, and just will ourselves, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just push through. But if you don't figure out a battle plan for your thoughts and your affections and your choices, you're missing a huge component. And here at Bridgewater, we talk about more and better disciples, and this is part of the better. How do we become more like Christ. And so here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Your heart, your thoughts, your affections, your choices, they're deceitful. They're deceptive. In fact, um, David says this, in Psalm 55, 6, he talks about his enemies are, are tracking, they're lurking for him, they're foot tracking him. They're deceptive, they're setting up an ambush. They're foot tracking, it's the same word, deceptive. They're setting a trap for him, they're waiting for him. And our thoughts do the same thing. Have you ever bought something thinking, you know what, I need that. Or this is going to help me. Or this is going to fix this. Or this is going to be a solution. And then like a year later, it's sitting there collecting dust. And you're not doing anything with it. Because at, at that moment, you believed you needed that. Maybe it was a little impulsive. Maybe you thought the shirt looked a little better on you in the store. Then you got home, you're like, eh, it's not really my color. We are deceived and tricked by our thinking and our affections. Disney wants to tell you, you should follow your heart. Every Hallmark movie and every chick flick tells you, just follow your heart. The Bible says, your heart is deceitful. And it's beyond cure. Meaning, it's, it, it has a problem with it. And apart from the gospel, apart from Jesus coming in and transforming and redeeming your life, our heart is in a really bad spot. So you and I, we can't follow our heart. We have to lead it. We have to allow our hearts to be transformed by the word of God. And then in verse 10, look what Jeremiah says. He says, the Lord searches the heart and he examines the mind. It's the idea of setting your heart and your mind through a TSA checkpoint. You ever go to the airport lately? My favorite part is going through the TSA. 
It's ridiculous. You got to take off your shoes and your belt and your watch and your wallet and your necklace and your bracelet, dump out everything out of your pockets. I mean, you can't even hold up your pants as you go through TSA and then dump everything else of your life on this belt and they scan everything. And then you get into this little clear phone booth thing and you put your hands up and they scan you with radiation going everywhere and they're just figuring out what are you hiding? Nothing, dude. I'm just trying to connect to my flight. And we've got to do the same thing with our thoughts. Jeremiah says, the Lord searches our hearts and examines our minds. Do we do the same thing with our thoughts? We need to run our thoughts through a TSA experience where they dump out everything and we ask them, where's your paperwork? Where are you going? Where are you coming from? What are you doing here? But we allow our thoughts to just come in and camp out. I know for a lot of you, you have thoughts that you didn't ask to come in. They just appear. They just show up unannounced. And they don't seem to go away easily, do they? So how do you deal with those thoughts? In fact, we have a lot of lies that we believe, don't we? Here's a couple of lies that we believe. First, we believe the lies that we tell ourselves. We believe the lies that we tell ourselves. We've got to start declaring war on these lies. You and I believe lies like, I'll never escape my past. Or, I'm a failure and everyone knows it. We believe lies like, hey, the reason they don't say hi to me is because they don't really like me. And we begin to believe these lies, and they just filter in through our minds. We believe lies like, you don't really deserve anything good. And we've got to take those lies captive, and we've got to take care of them. We've got to replace those lies. We also got to declare war on the lies that others tell us. Maybe your whole life, people have been telling you things about yourself, and they're not true at all. Maybe people have told you, you're not going to amount to anything. Maybe people have told you, you are worthless, or you are ugly, or you're nothing, or you're dumb. Just quit. And we've got to declare war on those lies. Those things are not true. It's not who you are. I wonder how many of us, we struggle with bitter envy, jealousy, maybe even bitterness, because we're really good at telling ourselves a false narrative, right? We're, we're really good at making up a story, telling ourselves, well, the reason they don't text me back, or the reason they don't do this, or the reason they did that is because dot, dot, dot. Let me give you an example. In the book of Genesis, there are two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Esau is the oldest, and he gets a birthright. He gets a bigger inheritance. And one day, he's really hungry, and Jacob, his brother, is cooking up some red stew. Esau comes in, and he's like me. He's starving. He's just gotten done working outside, and he goes, hey, give me some of that. And they make a trade. Esau trades his birthright, trades his inheritance for a pot of red stew, and then he's bitter about that. And then later, at the end of his father's life, he tells his dad, my brother Jacob, he tricked me and he cheated me out of my birthright. Well, wait a minute. 
actually, you traded it. You see, Esau had been telling himself a false narrative, and that false narrative led to bitterness. And how many times do we tell ourselves a false narrative that leads to bitterness or jealousy or envy? We've got to declare war on those thoughts in our minds. We also got to declare war on the lies we believe about others. She didn't say hi to me because she thinks I'm a mean person or she thinks that she's better than me. Or my boss overlooked me because they have a favorite person that they love. They, they like that person. They're the golden boy. They're always going to get the promotion. They didn't text me back because they don't really care about me. They're not really my friend. We also got to declare war on the lies that we believe about God. Well, God can never forgive me for this. Well, I messed up too much this time. I really blew it this time. God, God, if really loved me, then he would do these things. So I don't think he really cares. We've got to declare war on these thoughts. We've got to do a battle with them because they are running amok in our minds. So how do we fight the fight in our minds? Let me show you Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. He's talking about worry and anxiety, but I think that what Paul's talking about in this passage is applicable to all of us in every situation. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when a thought enters into your mind, one of the first things we ought to do is go into the throne room of God and talk to him about those thoughts. And so if you're tempted to say something out of anger or you're tempted to think about something or watch something on the internet or to do something that you know you shouldn't or those thoughts are just coming in and they're just bombarding you, go to God. Talk to him. Present your request to God. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what do we do? Think on these things. And so as we pray, here's one of the things that we typically do. God, will you just take this away? God, just remove this thought. God, just show me the light at the end of the tunnel. But I want to challenge you to pray a little bit differently. Pray, okay, God, right now my thoughts, they're not true, they're not noble, they're not right, they're not pure, they're evil, they're bad. God, I don't want these thoughts. God, help me to think on things that are true, that are pure, that are noble, that are excellent. God, help me to think differently. God, help me to love the things that you love. And then the next verse. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. So we've got to have right prayer, right thinking, and right doing. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've learned, start to do those things. We've got to be doers. And look, if you're like me, your thoughts don't go down easily. And you and I, 
We have been sowing and reaping thoughts for years, maybe for decades. We have habits and patterns in our life. And this, this one hour that you're here every week is not the magic hour. You didn't get into this overnight, and you won't get out of it overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. Fighting over and over and over and over again, and you're going to fail, and you're going to get back up, and you keep on fighting. Here's what Paul says in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world is trying to push you into a mold of thinking. Hallmark and Disney and every company out there wants you to think a certain way. The world is teaching you, live this way, it's okay. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've got to renew my mind. I've got to begin to think differently. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. J.P. Phillips says it this way, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. We've got to take our thoughts captive and begin to transform our mind, renewing it with God's word. Okay, Tim, how do I do that? Glad you asked. I'm going to give you a homework assignment this week, okay? How many of you guys love homework? Zero. Okay, but, but seriously, if this one hour a week is not the magic hour, how else or where else are you going to do this work at home? So first, I'm going to challenge you to go home and get a 3x5 card. This is bigger than 3x5, but Dawn gave it to me, and I thought it was nice and yellow, and I wanted to show it to you. Okay, get something like this, a 3x5 card, okay? And on, and on one side, you're going to find what is the most troubling thought that you're dealing with, right? There might be a 100 or a 1,000. Like, Tim, that, that card is not big enough for all of them. Pick one, okay? Pick one and go after it. Identify it, whatever it is whether it's something dealing with a sin or a temptation or something you believe about yourself or something you believe about God, and identify that one thought. And ask yourself, okay, what does is, what is God's word say about that thought? What is the principle or command that I need to use to attack, to smack that thought right in the face? What is that? What is it? And write it out on that three-by-five card. So here's what you're going to do on side A. We'll call this side A. Here's the old thought. And on side B, here's the new thought. Let me give you some examples. Example number one, I'm worthless. On side A, I would write, I'm worthless. On side B, I would say, I'm his workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, or any passage or any principle that is helpful to you. Another example, lies about God. God could never forgive me. Side A, I would write, God could never forgive me. I messed up, I blew it, whatever it is. Side B, I'm going to say, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Another example, temptation. You have a desire to look at something or do something you know you shouldn't do? Side A, looking at this, 
satisfies me or promises satisfaction. Side B, God, help me to think on things that are true and pure. And I want you to do this. I want you to carry this card around, and I want you to review it 25 times this week. Notice I didn't say memorize it. Because here's what I know about, about you. If you're anything like me, or if you're, you probably know people who they can look at something once, and boom, they've got it memorized. And you're like, that's not fair at all. Right? Or if you're like me, right, you can write it out 5,000 times, say it to yourself, sing it to yourself, dance around and shout it. And at the end of the week, you're like, I still don't have it memorized. Like, I worked so hard, and I feel like a failure. I want you to get a win underneath your belt. Review it 25 times. Carry it with you. Put it in your pocket or your purse so that when you come back next week, it is a wrinkled, saggy, ugly-looking, tired card that is just worn out. When you're in a grocery store or you're brushing your teeth, you're just looking at it, reviewing it. That is one of the ways you renew your minds. So if you want to fight this battle, take it serious. This is how you fight. We need to work hard at fighting the battle because the battle is in our minds. And here's what I know is true. Sin is a harsh master. Sin is a harsh master, not a submissive servant. And so imagine what would happen in your life if you began every single day to work at renewing your mind where would you be spiritually? In a week, in a month, in a year, where would you be? In Pirates of the Caribbean, Blackbeard tells his men to give no quarter to Barbosa's crew. The idea of giving no quarter is the idea of, of giving no housing to their prisoners. As you take prisoners, give them no quarter. Give them no place to live. Take them prisoner and kill them. That's the idea of no quarter. We need to give no quarter to our thoughts. Take them captive, but do not give them a place to live or sit or sleep in your minds. Take no quarter. Take them captive and destroy them and be ruthless about it. So this week, as you leave, let's take no quarter with our thoughts. Let me pray. God in heaven, you are amazing. We're amazed by your grace. Today we talked about some really hard things. Things that we don't fully understand how to do yet. But your word tells us that we ought to Renew our minds. We're well aware of the battle that's taking place in our thoughts. And God, to be honest, we're often overwhelmed by those thoughts. They're intrusive. They're relentless. They don't go down easily. And we need your help. So I ask that this week you would remind us, you would help us to renew our minds, that we would fight and do battle with these thoughts Remind us of principles, of passages that we've studied, of commands, of things that we've learned from your word, that we would be
be continually reminded of those thoughts and that you and your word would radically transform our thoughts. Let us live for you. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and sing as we close?